From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. All right, so it's been our fourth week um, of talking about intentional living. We've talked about a lot of things from letting people stay with you to the benefits to the fears. Uh, We uh, get to end this conversation with uh, talking to our friend Mez McConnell out of Scotland, out of Nidra Community Church, just about uh, why intentional living. And you'll hear a little bit um, about his transition as pastor there. So I think we've we've, we've been able to to learn a a lot of things. Uh, And here is the true test. Have I been able to learn this man's name? And I think I have. And so we started off talking about Muggsy Bowes. Dance. You was close. Did you see my you confidence? Talking, you I thought close. you were talking about Mez McConnell. We're talking about Muggsy Bogues now. Well, I wanted to wrap it all together. So we're talking about intentional living. You know what? Mez the, here's McConnell. the connection. All right. Mez, Mez makes fun of his own height. All right. So I'm not going to talk about anything that he doesn't already make fun of himself. Okay. Mez but, is on the smaller side. I think he'd call himself side. a wee man. He's, he's shorter. Right. Muggsy Bogues. Five foot four. Five, and three, made five, it. Five, three. Yeah. And made it. Yeah. And, and so, uh, thank you so much for saving Muggsy Bogues. Bogues. He still didn't get it right, but we're going to move on. Uh, all right. And uh, we'll talk about what we'll talk about next on the Stoop Sessions. Yeah. So, we were going to initially have Mez on the Stoop right here in Baltimore with us. With us. However, in the flesh. yeah, it, it didn't happen. And um, so, we had to, we're going to have to give him a. What am I saying? Phone call. <laughs> well, give him a phone call. A Zoom call. Cross the ocean. I, I was going to say phone, but I was like, it's not really a phone. What are eh, we doing? Felt technology We're going to talk to him on Zoom, and uh, it is what it is. I feel like when you say Zoom, it already exhausts people. I think we should just say, we're going to talk to Mez. Talk to Mez. When I, I hear Zoom. Zoom, it's a trigger word. Yeah. I met Mez some years ago, and I feel like Mez in, in Nidri pastoring there uh, was sort of like a... Uh, a, connect, a connection for us where we saw in them something that we've been trying to do here in Baltimore and so they've been uh, a good friend let's get him on zoom let's get him on the stoop the stoop <laughs> we've got a podcast now that we started it's called the stoop session so you are officially on the stoop welcome Yes. On the stoop, you are officially in my bedroom, baby. Welcome. <laughs> oh, gosh. This would be a good shout out for getting Mez's new book. I'm glad this is video, or audio and not video. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, been talking a little bit about intentionally living in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And, um, having that as a, a one of our core strategies as a church, uh, not only to reach people, from the neighborhood, which of course is what we want to do, but also just encouraging people to live, stay, remain in the neighborhood. And yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I've appreciated about you guys, maybe just one of the reason, reasons I was really intrigued by your ministry initially was that you have the same strategy. Has it always been that way? No, no, no. I mean, I inherited a, a, um, what was what was basically a replant. Um, Nidri, is a, there's been a presence in about, for about 150 years in the community, Christian presence, but then it died out and then a Big inner city church took it, took over this dying mission work, and um, most of the people lived out with when I came in. They just spent the last ten years just battling. They just okay. weren't seeing, they so seeing any conversions. The local kids were smashing the building up. Mm. Um, when I moved in, you couldn't open the front door on your own. You had to have someone to guard your back, and 
people's cars were being set on fire. I mean, it was it was much more fun in the early days than it is now. <laughs> That's a good descriptor word, Naz. Fun. I feel like we need a little context, just in case somebody somebody doesn't know you. So, yeah. um, you are clearly from uh, England. I can tell by your accent. Oh. Are you serious, Joel? <laughs> So, I'm so, sorry. No, well, I'm just about to leave the stoop. No, stay on the stoop, Joel. Mez, Unbelievable. Mez, I'm not taking that from a Canadian. So, so you're from Ireland. I am from Ireland, yeah. And proud of it. Oh. But you're in Scotland. I'm in Scotland, and I'm and cool with that. My dad's a Scot. Okay. Uh, there's nothing English about me apart from the accent, so. What is, when we say Nidri, what is Nidri? Nidri is the name of the... Uh, community um, that uh, that we're in, a housing, whatever you would call it, project area. I don't know what you would call them in Baltimore. Yeah, it's probably similar to what we would call it, the projects or an inner city neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, but I want to be clear. Park not like a project of Baltimore. To, you know, it's not, we're not rough, rough like that, but we are rough, but just in a different way. If you know what I mean. So when you went to Nidri, it was a mission. You said. Yeah, yeah, it was an old mission hall, an old, what we call in the UK, I don't know if you had them in America, old gospel hall. So what happened like years and years ago, 50s and 60s, a big inner city centre church would um, would go, these are traditionally working class communities built mostly, like Nidri was built around on a mine, basically on the mine. So they were all miners historically, and then uh, mines started closing in the 80s, pretty much done massive unemployment and so big city center churches would open up little mission halls and send their preachers into sort of young men into sort of practice preaching on local people and if anybody was saved then they set up these little unofficial missions they weren't like churches there were no elders or anything like that they were, they were usually run by committees so what's the transition been like from when you got to Nidri to now so it's been big yes yeah. so Nidri was only ever I came to Nidri in 2007 off the back of Brazil um as I said, it's about 150 years old. It's only been formally constituted as a church since 2012. So I took it from a massive, as you can imagine, history of being a, a mission hall. Um, we had elders and deacons and, and then became officially an independent evangelical church in 2012. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's been through a, a bit of a transition in my time. I've been here. This is my 13th year. And so when you when you came there, how many people part of the, were part of the mission who actually lived in, in Nidri? Oh, maybe two or three people, maybe. Okay. And today, 13 years later, how many Certainly people? not the minister. When I was interviewed for the job, I was told, you know, don't don't move into the community. I, I just laughed. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They were very told not to move in. Oh, yeah. They, they had a thought behind that. The thought behind that was you're the minister and, you know, ministers should you know, live out and his children, make, make sure your children are safe and all that. I mean, yeah. I just laughed. So sh- shut up. So, so it was like a, we're going to go there, serve these people and get out after we're done serving mentality. Well, it was basically, uh, it, uh, people drove in on a Sunday, did church, as I'll put that in inverted commas, and then uh, drove home. And then maybe a couple of kids club in the week, Maybe did a bit of door knocking once a month, but there was no presence. There was no like real, I mean, maybe one or two people, but no real Christian presence in the community. I mean, so the locals looked at it really, the place is just a club for outsiders. And that's why it was constantly kids were throwing bricks through the windows and members getting assaulted in the street and stuff like that. That's that's what the big issue was until uh, we moved in in 2007. So 13 years later, 
yeah. now how many what percentage of your people in Nidri, in, in the church actually live in Nidri? Oh, ah, the majority, yeah. All right, so, so that's what we want to talk about. How yeah. did that happen? So we've got about 80 members, anywhere from that number to 120 on a Sunday, any one Sunday. Probably, I would say, 30% of those who would attend would be unbelievers. Um, and then, obviously, various ministries. That how did, operate you, how did you transition from nobody living there to the majority of the people that live in there? What was that like? That took time, a lot of time. Um, very few of the original people who were still left, I think most of them still live out with the community. And so a lot of, uh, when I recruited interns or, or people like that, I made it a stipulation you have to live in the community. Um, as a church, we bought some homes so people could uh, live in. Uh, we saw a lot of conversions, local conversions. That's accounted for probably the majority of the change. And so well, I inherited a very small number, maybe 30 or so middle-class people who've been battling away for years with no sort of, um, you know, seeing that much fruit. And then um, most of them outsiders. And then maybe about year six, year seven, we had what I would call the, 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 the tipping point where for the first time, new converts, local people outnumbered, they grew by inherited. And then that's when cultural change in the church happened. Wow, and so it, it was the first six, seven years where a slog. So what was the, some of the hesitations uh, that you heard from other congregants that kept them from wanting to move in? Uh, well, the, uh, there's lots of factors. Number one is, um, if you walked up to a white middle-class guy called Tarquin in America and said, who knew Baltimore and said, come and live in this area where we are. The odds on him, they wouldn't move, right? These sorts of people are never going to change their minds. So I recruited young people who wanted to work with the poor, working in the cities and said, don't go to parachurch organizations, come to us, we'll train you, uh, move in. Still say a lot of people are still hesitant. Like even now, like when we trying to recruit people for 20 schemes. That's the, num the number one question I get is, I ha what, what about my children and my, and my family and that? Do I have to move into a community? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's a waste of time otherwise. So those, those that are hesitant, Mads, like how do you handle them? <laughs> Sounds like a mobster, right? You mean assuming they're part of the church? Uh, yeah, assuming that they're part of the church. All oh, right, people who are part of my church. Yeah. Well, they aren't really people that anyone really hesitant anymore. I, what I would say is this, um, you know, so it, it, we are being gentrified massively. Um, it's not just a black problem, by the way, it's a white European one. But, um, and that means that local housing is in very short supply. So even if you wanted to move into Nidri, it's up now, it's almost impossible. Uh, and the, 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 the landlords around here, make massive amounts of money charging hugely inflated rents because the local authority will pay it for them. So mm -hmm. uh, there aren't just issues of people, even if you want to move in, being able to is very, very difficult, which is why as a church, we started buying property. Uh, so we own two or three homes in the area, which we, 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 we put people in. Um, I'm very clear with people, look, if you don't want to move in, really, you're going to be at a massive disadvantage. Um, you're going to be a disadvantage in people knowing you in the community, you being known. Uh, I, 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 
to people and you being known by people. And so some people, that, 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 that they live with that. Some people who, who earn a lot of money, work in the city, uh, they, they, they keep the lights on. And I'm happy with that. If, as long as we're all in the mission together and what we're about, and what we're about is our local community and some people contribute in different ways. Others I've said, don't move in. So like, uh, I mean, I'm, I, we've had more than one policeman where I've said, do not move into the area. Um, I mean, not because, you know, they're scared, but, you know, they've, I remember one guy with a, a wife and two or three young kids. And I said, it's not, it's all right for you, but, you know, you're out policing. And they know there's a policeman next door and, and, you know, bricks go through the window at two in the morning with the kids and the missus at home alone. That's just not safe. So sometimes you have to make decisions. Uh, there are exceptions to the rule, if you understand what I'm trying to say. You do yeah. have to be wise. Who's the person in front of you? What's their motivation? Is there, um, can they move in? Um, is it safe for people to move in? These are all factors. So like, uh, I, from what I remember, the mission before Nidri became a constituted church, did they do a lot more outreach services and now being a church, obviously you're focusing on preaching the gospel. So what's that look like? What was that kind of transition like where it's like, well, yeah, our focus is helping people, but we want to help people with God's word. They were preaching the word and the word was being preached and stuff and they were doing, I wouldn't say that much has changed. We're not that interested in the church. I mean, Joe's, Joe's been, we, you know, we, 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 we preach the gospel, we sing, we pray mm-hmm. on our Sunday service, but you know, we have a, a cafe that's open every day of the week. At least it was before the pandemic. We've got lots of sport ministries going on. Um, We've given out thousands of packets of food during the coronavirus. We've given out, we've delivered thousands of um, medicines to elderly and sick people in the community. We, we, we just do our thing and we preach the gospel. So not, not a lot of that has changed. It's just now there's, if a local walks into the community church, before I came, they would just walk in and think, this is a middle-class club that's got nothing to do with me, but... When, when they go in now, they see people from Nidri, they see people that look like them, that sound like them. They also see people, and this is just as important, who don't look like them and don't sound like them, and both groups together worshiping the Lord. So That's good. Why is that important, just real quick? Well, because um, the church is, is, is bigger than just one group, isn't it? Um, it's got to be a reflection of... Um, of, of, of a local community. So for instance, someone once asked me, why haven't you got any, you know, black people in leadership? Because it's a big, I don't know, I, well, obviously the black issue is big out there in a minute, but in the UK right now, there's this whole big push towards multi-ethnic leadership. And I'm like, well, I can hire a black guy, but there aren't any black people in my community. So my, 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 my church reflects my community. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, hire, I hire middle-class guys. I hire working-class guys. I hire single moms. Do you know what I mean? I, we we are diverse, but just not uh, yeah, in, in skin color. So you yeah, you've got to be careful that what what is seen and what is um, that the local church is more than just a club for one particular group of people. It's just for drug addicts or it's just for these kind of people or it's just for ex-gangsters. No, actually, the gospel's bigger than that. The gospel is the ex-gangster converted sitting with a pharmacist who's never broken a law in their life, but 
together on Sunday, they come and worship the Lord. That's that that's the power of the gospel and is a testimony to a local community. And often our communities, as you know, are fragmented. Yours is probably fragmented along racial lines, ours is severely fragmented along class lines. And that's a big thing for a working class guy to walk into a church mm-hmm. and see other working class guys because it's very, very, very rare. College student at University of Edinburgh loves the preaching at Nidri, wants to be part of a gospel community like you guys have there, uh, and doesn't have any desire to live in Nidri. Yeah. Mind driving the 25 minutes from downtown Edinburgh to Nidri. Yeah. Uh, they go through your membership process. Uh, yeah. Happily bring them in, send them to a church in Edinburgh. What do you do? Yeah, I wouldn't accept them, though. No. I'd just say, go somewhere else. Yeah, here's a nice middle-class church with students in the city centre, five minutes next year. You've got a, if you, you've either got a heart for the community or not. You can't have half a heart for it. So if you like the community and you want to serve the Lord and you want to get to know people, listen to me, I'll find you a spot. I, 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 you know, we've got, we've got houses, we've got rooms available always. People can come in. Um, so if a guy or a girl really wants to commit and find out what it's like to, you know, I don't, I've got no room for these fucking, um, you know, poverty safaris who want to hear about your church and they want to come and have a look at it and rub a neck, um, off you go, bolt. Um, you want to come and get involved then they wouldn't even get anywhere near membership process if they've got to drive 25 minutes in. Yeah. Um, Let's turn it the other way around. You've got a member who's been in Nidri. Yeah. They want to buy a nice house elsewhere. Yeah. Now what? That's fine. But then if there's a church nearer to you, then you should be going to that. Yeah. So you're going to have a heavy emphasis on uh, worship near where you live, period. The amount of people I've turned around who've been offended by me. Oh, you do. You know me. Yeah. (laughs) You are not offensive. You're, you're, You're one of the warmest kindest people that I know. I actually am. But here's the thing is, I've got no time for tourism, poverty tourism. What do you mean by tourism? Well, these guys who come in, they've heard about 20 schemes, they've seen us online. You know, we've got quite a large profile, as you know. And they want to come and they want to hear me preach or say something offensive or whatever. You know, these studenty types do my nutting. And um, they come and and I'm like, listen, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. Look, nice, nice to see you. I shouldn't ever see you again. Unless you're moving into Nidri. Here's three churches near you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not here to pick up. Yeah. I'm not here to pick up fans and uh, people who want to vicariously live through what we're doing whilst, you know, you know, a, a student 15 miles away going, oh, I'm at Nidri. But actually, what you mean is you frequent a service for an hour a week. That is not being in Nidri. Yeah, that's not, that's not being involved in a covenant community. We want, we want people present. Yeah. You want to have an influence in the community, you've got to be present in a community. Simple as that. So, Mez, give us like a little picture of some of the benefits of, of actually having people live in Nidri there who are part of your church. What does that feel like day to day? Are people like at each other's houses? Are they taking yeah. together? Yeah. What's the what's life like? It feels like family, doesn't it? You walk, you can't walk down the street for a paper without running into someone you know or someone who's around. Their kids pop by. Uh, you know, your kids part by. Uh, everybody's in and out of each other's houses all the time. I'm not supposed to say that because it's a pandemic, but just so you know, anybody in, in Nidri ignores it. 
uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you you don't you don't spend a single day without seeing people. Whereas in most middle class churches in the UK, which I would call gathered churches, what I mean by that is maybe there's a big city centre church. Everybody drives in from half an hour, a few miles away, drive in, do the big show, and then leave. They, unless they have some sort of, you know, small group meeting midweek, they never run into each other naturally. They never, you know, uh, they never do what I call uh, ad hoc on the fly discipleship, whereas someone you just happen to meet and because they live on the same street as you and they're, they're struggling, you're like, ah, oh, come on, have, have, some t- have some food at Agath tonight. Don't worry about it. We'll take the kids from you. And, but yeah, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's much more, you're able to much more uh, do community more naturally. People always say, how do you do community? And I'm like, well, it's not a strategy. We just live. <laughs> we right. just live in and near each other and it happens just naturally. Whereas yeah. if you go to a more gathered congregation, you, can, you haven't got community and the only way you generate it is through a meeting. Mm-hmm. And that meeting is, you know, and maybe you call it something sexy like, it's a life group. Well, let's, you know, let's call it the living room. You know, it's a, you know, you meet on a Wednesday for an hour a week and you play Yahtzee. Get a grip, right? That is not community. We have people who are coming from different church backgrounds. Uh, they're checking out our church. They're driving in. One of the questions they'll ask me is, what programs do you offer? Yeah, and I get that a lot. What do you offer for children? Right. And we don't, we don't have a lot of programs and it's, it's because it's, it's sort of like, well, the program is like live here, be present. Programs give the, the ruse of numbers and this is what we're doing versus, yeah, we've got moms dropping off their kids. You know, when we were in Bigham, that's happening. That's a program, but coming from, yeah, yeah. this is a need that we're trying to feed to, to fuel and yeah. we're going to foster relationships from that. So that's really what that is. is uh, again, I go, back, I go back to presence there. Lots of our stuff happens on the fly, in the street. Some, you see someone there looking a bit stressed in the shop. You're like, what's happening? All oh, the kids are doing my nutting. Look, give them to us for an hour. We'll take. Do you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that, that's you discipleship. What I'm trying to say, Mez, is so we do have programs as well. We've got stuff okay. for jobs. we got stuff for kids. I'm but with you. I, what it is is I can't separate the programs from the presence. And so when yeah. I'm talking to somebody from the outside, it's not like a, hey, here's our programs that you can volunteer at. Yeah. Uh, because at, at, even as I talk about our programs, uh, it blends in with our life together in the neighborhood. Right. But you need to understand that most middle-class Christians in the UK, I'm speaking my own culture now, not yours, they, um, they are consumers when it comes to church. What services do you provide for my children? What can I drop my children off? Again, remember, people are trying to generate community because it doesn't exist in the way they're doing church. And so they're like, you know, the only time my kid gets with the Christian kids is a uh, uh, Christian kids thing at church. Uh, you know, I mean, I had to drive my kids to a city center church when they were, I mean, my girls are now grownups, but when they were younger, we had no kids. We had no kids. We had no Christian youth. You've been to our church. All of our programs, if you like, for children and young people in, in, in Nidri, are for, are for, they're all for unbelievers, the kids of unbelievers. Uh, and a lots of middle-class families, when they, when they found that out, wouldn't send their children to the, our clubs because they didn't want them to become tainted by the wild kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, the, the problem with lots of Christianity in the UK is it's very consumeristic. You, well, basically, they don't put it like this, but it's basically what service can you provide for me and my family? Now, when you're reaching people from Nidri, you're dealing with a lot of addiction issues. 
Yeah, yeah. How do you think, bro? Going through the roof right now. Yeah. I believe it, bro. How do you think through uh, people coming out of addiction, staying in the community? Is is that something you happily uh, work? We have a network. Do you want to? Do you want them to get away from Nidri? Depending on who they are and what their situation is, the ideal is to stay in Nidri. But we know the reality. I couldn't go back to my community. Um, and so we have a network now. We've got what, including us, there's nine churches across four cities, 20 schemes have started or established so far. And we'll usually say, I've got a guy or a girl coming out of something here. Right. Once we get them out of this program, can I send them to Glasgow? Can I send them to Dundee? Can I, do, do you know what I mean? And so we've, we've managed to be able to do some of that. Uh, not always successfully, I will say that. Addicts are pretty difficult to manage, as, as you all know. Uh, but that's the, as, as I've got such a network and link of guys from other communities, that's what we do. So we don't send them away to uh, out with their culture, but we do send them away, if you like, out with their immediate, um, yeah. immediate community. The problem I've got is it's easier said than done. If, you know, if, you, if your grandma, and this is our problem right now, and you'll know this, um, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, a girl got knocked up, at, got pregnant at 15, 16 who looks after the kid, grandma, right? Well, grandma deals Valium now, right? That's how generationally far we're into this bad boy. Grandma's the crack dealer. There is no more. Everyone they know, if your grandma, your auntie, your uncle, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your nephews are all dealers or on something, uh, even if I, and you come to Christ and I get you out of a community, that family pull is still there. And it is an absolute nightmare to help people walk through which is why I wrote the book War, which is not a plug for my book, but... You it's know, a good but, book, Maz, it's yeah, okay. But, we'll just, but I've just, it's for people, I've just come to Christ, but now my head's mashed. And the people who historically would have helped you, your gran and that, actually don't help you. They're the ones trying to flog Valium to you still. I, I, I like to say we very rarely, rarely see many successes. Uh, Big Steve McCallum, though, who you know, is absolutely smashing it for Jesus right now. Absolutely. Clean two years yeah, so I'm really, 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 really happy. That is, I mean, that, that makes me think, you know, people are always wanting success stories. And these yeah. things take time. You're like, I don't, I, I don't want to give celebrity to any of yeah. these individuals. That are real we're, we're lucky if we get one in a hundred. I mean, 10 people in the last quarter of last year, the last couple of months, connected to our churches and ministry, 10 people died, either suicide or overdose. Mm. It's, it's been brutal. And, 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 I, I'm, and, I, you know, I always say to people, particularly in America, don't come at my gigs and think I've got it right. We're just living in community, trying to share Jesus, trying to disciple people and often failing miserably, but we're still persevering. <laughs> hey, that's 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 our dance here. Our song where I'm like, uh, we're just trying to make it. That's it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, man, so I'm from the city, right, from Baltimore, born and raised. And sometimes I struggle with the temptation of wanting to leave. Yeah. Well, so if you have someone that's from Nidri and they yeah. want to leave. Right? Yeah, all the time. What are, what are some of the benefits of staying in the city? I mean, the benefit of staying in the city or staying in your community is you can be gospel light. That's someone who is known. It will be a known face to people. And if you walk with Jesus, is genuine and you're, and, uh, 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 and you're producing fruit in keeping with repentance, then people just, they can't escape but seeing that. And they're forced, they're confronted with the reality of the gospel in a local person's 
life uh, 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 and family. What I will say is this, though, is often I will advise, depending on the person, again, this is why it is not just, I don't have hard and fast rules for everything. It depends on the person. It depends on their situation. It depends on how old they are. My experience, the older you are, the harder it is for you to change. Uh, and, and, and often you need to leave. It depends how deeply embedded you are. I mean, everybody, when I got converted out of prison at 22, 23, everybody I knew was a dealer. I was armpit in deep, you know, in drugs and debt and all sorts of stuff. I needed to leave the situation. It, it would not have helped me. Um, and, you know, it took me years to get back, uh, to go back into the scene where I, where I felt mentally able to do that. Some guys are strong and can do it. Some guys, I'm, I'm like, listen, why don't you get out? Go somewhere temporarily, another scheme where you're not known, where you can grow in Jesus. Uh, we've done this with a couple of boys. Train them for, Adam, train for a couple of years and come back when you've got like, you've got the weapons in your armory to now to defend yourself spiritually. Do you know what I mean? So not, not, there's not just one approach. It's wisdom and who's the individual in front of you and what are their particular pressures that they face. And I will say, I'm sorry to go on about it, but and I make this point in discipleship all the time. If, listen, leaving, right, leaving your old life in a scheme or a project and coming to Christ is, uh, is, is, is basically almost, almost exactly like becoming a Christian in a Muslim context. And let me tell you for why. Muslims, they come to Christ, they have to forsake family, they have to forsake friends, job, culture, everything. They're joining the enemy. That is the same in scheme and project life. If you come, you know, you're saying to your pals, you know, Nidri's nearly 200 years old. If, you know, let's just take a, an average lad gets converted. All his cousins live there, all his aunties, his uncle, they all live within close community. He's, they're thinking, he thinks he's better than us now. He's joining some stuck-up church or, you know, this, that, and the other. Like I said, they're all dealing. They're all involved in crime. There's, there's constant pressure on him. His family are rejecting him. People are taking the piss out of him. Church needs to be a family, not a, a number of meetings you attend in the week. That's why you need to be in community. People need, they need to say, look, that's what Jesus meant. It's going to... Families are going to go against each other, mothers, sons, daughters. But when you come to Christ, you come to a new family where the, where the blood tie of Jesus is even stronger than preach. your family. Yeah. You're going to make a shout. And, and church better be family. Sure. Mm, okay. or, or else we're playing. And that's why middle class people don't know how to deal yeah. with guys from tough backgrounds because they play at being church. Mm. Thank Church you. better be family. Ouch, now I'm like, Lord. Hey, uh, real quick, on your family, talking about family, how did, so you've got two girls that are growing up. Lydia one, and One you sent off. Put out your What's their names. experience been? Has it been a good experience for them living in the schemes? Yeah, it's um, life. It's normal, right? My girls yeah. are normal. I mean, I took my girls on the streets with street gangs when they were six months and 15 months old. My girls have always been around uh, street gangs fighting tough guys uh but isn't that everybody's pushback like well i've got kids I need to do what's best for the kids yeah 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 well i don't read that in the new testament but that's just me you just read an article about that didn't you yeah i did i but did i read it 
I think that the modern and again middle class idol is children and family. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying, look, my girls have grown up knowing nothing else. And listen, my girls are the middle classiest girls in the world. They they they're embarrassed by me. They correct my grammar. They ask me to stop saying naughty words. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They think I'm a saddo. <laughs> my daughter, right, is good at maths. Now, don't tell people. That would ruin my ministry, right? Mm-hmm. She goes to, she goes, yeah, she goes to like a maths, a maths camp, right? I mean, that's embarrassing. It, it, mm-hmm. When I was growing up, that would have got you stabbed and dumped in a bush, right? So... Uh, you know, my kids, my kids, my kids are chill. They've seen that part of life, uh, and, and they're growing and developing and 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 following their own path. But um, yeah, man, I've never worried about that side of things. The Lord takes care of business. Yeah, amen. and let's say He didn't. Let's say they got injured or something happened. Is He still not the Lord then? Yeah, that's good. Ask again. That's, that's good. good. Yeah. Good. Jesus, Jesus has got it sorted. We're all good. My, my life insurance policy is paid up for the family. I'm all good with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm family, family and kids are a modern day idol. Yeah, Don't you think? People obsessed about it. What about my kids' education? What about it? What about if they never went to school again? We're still telling people about Jesus. So shut up. Is that helpful? Is that helpful, Joe? <laughs> That's great. Good stuff, man. How much of that is getting edited? Tell the truth. Wait, what'd you say? And how much of that is going to get edited out? Oh, no. We, it's just our podcast. So, how much do you want to edit it out? Because we just leave it in. I love it. To be honest. Well, bro, uh, we initially were planning to record this with you here in Baltimore. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, man. What happened? Um, I mean, I got COVID. You know that, right? Yeah. You doing all right? Uh, yeah, well, actually, it, ri- it ripped me. Yeah, it caused me a lot of trouble. Three months I was out. Um, and so uh, then something, I can't remember what happened, but basically, I don't know. Matthew runs all this stuff. You, but you're not here. Probably more. But I'm coming, but I'm coming back next year. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.com.